0: had awarded a contract of close to half a billion rand uh, to the Education Development Centre, whatever that is, um, to implement CSE over a five-year period. So there was big international money uh, given to government to basically push this specific programme. And so our concern was, again, parental rights, because the truth of the matter is, in law, and I'm talking about what our current... South African law actually says, both in terms of the school's Act and, and, and the DBE's white paper, is that it is parents who are the primary educators of their children. And they have yeah. the right mm. to be consulted and to have their children educated according to their values and in what they as parents believe to be in the best interests of their children. And as I think you very correctly pointed out, you cannot teach on the topic of sex and sexuality from a value-neutral perspective. Anything that you're going to teach on sex is going to have some kind of a value system built into it. And what children are obviously taught about sex and sexuality is going to have a lifetime and and a lifelong impact on their own views and values. And so this is so important, therefore, that parental rights, parental um, input into their own children is considered and respected. So our pushback was to basically say, that again maybe it's worthwhile just pulling back for a minute and and speaking about how the educational system of our country has changed since 1994. Mm. You you may recall that under the apartheid uh, era we had state schools i.e. government basically had complete control of education everything from the employment of teachers and building schools and what have you right down to the content that was taught in those schools in every subject what happened post-1994, obviously in recognition of the disparities in education that existed under the apartheid regime, was that we have now public schools. Public schools is a partnership. as a partnership between government, uh, who obviously do continue to pay for, provide, build, the schools pay for teachers and so on. And they are also entitled to set the outcomes, the educational outcomes that they wish every learner to achieve at different levels, and that's called the CAPS curriculum. But what we also have is we have a partnership arrangement because every public school, and we're talking here specifically public schools, have a school governing body, an SGB, and that comprises of parents and teachers and learners, and they actually are the body which has the responsibility and the right to select whatever content they want to make sure that the Outcomes set by government in the caps curriculum are achieved, and therefore government absolutely categorically does not have the right to impose content into any public school. Now, fortunately, after quite some uh, pushback, the DBE, the Department of Basic Education, stated that while they obviously strongly encourage the use of uh, the structured lesson plans on CSC, which they have developed, these are not the only source. Uh, that teachers or schools can use to achieve these minimum uh, educational outcomes in the uh, CSE, which is the life orientation section of CAPS. And so most importantly, parents now have the opportunity through their school governing bodies, uh, through the uh, teachers and the management of the school to actually say, we want alternative content used to teach on this subject, which reflects our values. Every school, every school and the parents in that school basically have the right and arguably the responsibility to ensure that their children are taught content that will reflect their values. And that's very important. Michael, as
1: I'm, as I'm listening to you, if I've interpreted this correctly, um, a school governing body uh, down the road, we work with four schools in our suburb, very close relationships uh, involved in presenting uh, God's word at assemblies. Um, I, I know the principals, they are good men. Uh, they get wind of maybe lesson plans, which are introducing unwholesome material uh, to the kids. They recognize that this is gonna create maybe social uh, issues down the line. The, the school governing body raises the same concerns. The parents have got the same concerns. At that point, they can instruct teachers to create their own lesson plans. Um, as opposed to use the the canned lesson plans which are being provided to them. Um, are, is there already mat- like a wealth of material that's being created to help teachers in South Africa um, achieve these objectives? Because uh, we've got a couple of teachers in our church and I just know the the difficulty uh, that they have um, just teaching the curriculum that they have to teach already. I, I, I can't imagine how much pressure we'd be putting on them um, if we ask them to create additional lesson plans, do you know are, are there organizations out there um Working to provide alternative uh, plans to anyone uh, has that are we down the road on that yet? Or at this stage, is there just the alternative for that?
0: No, well the good news is yes, there are alternatives and I think that's why it's so important that but- while we have time before the next year kicks off, obviously 2022 is coming rapidly upon us, but this is the very time when schools are actually looking ahead at the 2022 um, term times and content and how they're going to manage, et cetera, what they're going to teach. And now they need to make the selection. And of course, the Department of Education is using this opportunity to push very hard for its content to now be adopted. And their, their department spokesperson has recently stated that he sees or the DBE sees that parents are failing dismally when it comes to talking to their children about sex. And that is why we need to step up as government. So, you know, whether there is a vacuum, government are obviously going to fill it. In fact, arguably, they must fill it. But unless and until schools provide alternative content and train their teachers on how to use it, then government again to simply step in with what they have developed and what they would obviously prefer to be taught. So yes, there are alternative uh, content providers available which will provide the type of information, the type of courses, the type of lessons on sex and sexuality that will fulfill largely the uh, CAP's outcomes. And uh, if I can just give an address of an organization that's been very uh, involved in this. Uh, we, we, for a say, by the way, we aren't interested in not having any form of ideology crammed down on learners Uh, we believe that should be the parental choice we don't have a particular view on CSE itself or what should or should not be taught in CSE. that is not a, 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 a freedom of religion issue in as much because different people of different faiths or no faiths might have very different views on how to teach on sex and sexuality but we do believe that parents need to have a choice and you can go and I'll give you the address and maybe you could just put it up on your website uh, for listeners Uh, info I-N-F-O at cause for justice one word C-A-U-S-E F-O-R-J-U-S-T-I-C causeforjustice.org and if uh, you email them They will send you the options that they have uh, uncovered, that have been developed, that are available in South Africa. And then schools at the very least, and parents and school governing bodies can at the very least look at this alternative content, Uh, which as I said, as I understand it, and I was at an expo the other day, it does to a very large extent cover everything that is needed to provide the outcomes which government have specified that they would like to see in terms of the CAPS curriculum. And so there are alternatives, But this is, I think, a a wake-up call for particularly conservative parents because the alternative is that the government's uh, curriculum, the government's content, rather, uh, will be implemented into the school system. And as I say, it it is definitely uh, very much uh, inclined to a liberal ideology, which will probably conflict with uh, the views and values of parents. And just to say as well, 4SA will definitely, by the way, continue to lobby and work for the rights of parents. So so even where a school does decide to use um, the department's structured lesson plans, uh, that parents should indeed have the right to remove their children from these classes and to teach their own children from alternative sources, if necessary, at home instead. So that's very much where where we stand on the matter.
1: um, Michael, excellent. Uh, I mean... Yeah, just a very interesting progress in terms of the conversation uh, and the way that things have, have are going. Uh, thank you so much for the information. I'm just thinking there's probably lots of parents that are listening in uh, to the show right now. And um, I, I tell you what, if you think that the hate speech bill could mobilize people, I have no doubt that their love for their children will mobilize them um, even more. Uh, just very, very kind of succinctly, what, what are some of the things that parents can do uh, right now in response uh, to what they're hearing? Um, is, there, is there a way forward that you would recommend um, people to take uh, if they want to uh, engage in this topic or if they want to start to interact with their school?
0: Well, I think definitely, yes. I mean, first of all, contact your school. Uh, You can contact your school either through the school governing bodies or uh, most schools have a school management team, an SMT, and I think first and foremost alert them to the fact that the the Minister of Basic Education has made it clear that the structured lesson plans which the DBE are providing to teach on this subject are not mandatory, and that schools and teachers are therefore free to choose the source and materials that they want to teach on the life orientation and life skills subjects in the CAPS curriculum. So there is no compulsion whatsoever that the DBE is bringing to use this material. And therefore, the school is completely open to choose alternatives. And again, uh, I I think very importantly, uh, if people want to see some of the concerns raised, uh, which 4SA has identified, then by all means go to our website, which is www.forsa.org.za And right there on the homepage, uh, you're going to find an article, which I've written, in fact, uh, this past week, called Schools Face Pressure to Implement Department CSE Content. So have a look at that. And there are links in that article, which you can go to. And of course, as I said, uh, if you want to find out what alternative uh, content exists, then by all means, uh, go to Cause for Justice, info at causeforjustice.org. That's their email address. And you can uh, certainly get a lot of very helpful information from them on what these alternatives can be and then you can at least present something uh it, it's no good saying no, no 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 and then you just don't have an alternative but there are alternatives yeah. they do exist and uh if parents want to do that then that would be the course of action that i think they could reasonably take
1: well done michael thank you so much for that uh that input and that interaction please get that uh addressed to me and i'll include it in the show notes uh from this morning I uh, really appreciate all the work that you guys do and commend any listeners to go and check out your website uh, if they want to stay abreast of both this issue and many others that you guys are constantly uh, engaging government with. Thank you so much. Can I, can, I give you, uh, in- can I give
0: you another thing that I would recommend that sure. listeners might consider? We are running this month in October a series of free webinars and this particular Monday, they take place on every Monday, Uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. And this particular Monday is basically on the very important and prevalent topic of cancel culture, cancel culture, how cancel culture is crushing conservative values. And I think that very importantly, people need to understand what this is, how it affects you, uh, how it will affect you or how it certainly may affect you, but it is affecting you, whether you like it or like it, not even if you don't recognize it. So cancel culture is going to be the topic we're going to be discussing You can go to our our website, forsa.org.za, in the spotlight. You can register there. There's a link uh, which will take you through. And we'd love to see you. I'm going to be speaking on it. Uh, Danielle Ellabeck, our attorney, is going to be speaking on it. And it's going to be a really interesting dialogue. You can ask questions. So uh, by all means, come along on Monday, uh, the 18th, 7 to 8
1: p.m. That is brilliant. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate uh, all the interactions and I trust that you have a good day going forward. Well, listeners, as you have been listening in to the conversation so far, I have no doubt that you have one or two questions already ruminating in your mind that you would like to ask us. I want to tell you how you can engage with the show this morning, how you can interact on Table Talk with Mark and Teppel uh, or today. Um, uh, bottom line is your biblical questions can be asked. We are looking forward to answering them. We actually have a couple of questions lined up. We're gonna start shooting very, very shortly. Um, But a shout out to folk who have interacted with us this morning so far by saying hi. Uh, Gay Penrith down in Klabecha, uh, Port Elizabeth along with Bree um, have already engaged with the show this morning. How can you engage with us? And I'm talking about beyond saying hi. I'm talking about asking the kinds of questions that you want answered. Questions such as, these are the ones we have lined up, giving. What is the priesthood of all believers? Heard you speaking about it last week. What is is sexual immorality? Please define it. And how can I trust God when I am unemployed? These four questions have come in uh, in the last while. How can you ask your question? (laughs) You rightly ask. Let me tell you. Firstly, I love to get WhatsApps and telegrams. I get to see them right here in studio as I am speaking to you. Let me tell you what the WhatsApp number is. It is 082-657-2729. Looking forward to voice notes uh, or your typed WhatsApps. Um, If you are a Twitter, at 657 am looking forward to hearing a tweet out from somebody in the great out there i don't think i've ever actually received a tweet on radio <laughs> Corporate yet. so looking forward to you twits uh, tweeting in um and then we have a studio line would love to speak to you um voice to voice uh the studio line is 012 One three two two. Looking forward to engaging with you live on air. And of course you can drop a comment down into Facebook um below. Um just got a note from Liesel. Wow, cool questions. And so Mm. let's uh let's tuck into the questions that we have. Let's do them in reverse order. Let's start off with unemployment. Um Teppo, unemployment is a real deal. Mm. Um in reality, uh, you know, even coming to Crystal Park eleven years ago. And there was a fair percentage of both our suburb as well as our church that was unemployed. And unemployment has been a very real, or pastoring unemployed people has been a very real part of my pastoral ministry all the time that I've been um, in church. And and even before I became a pastor as an elder in Midrand Chapel, um, for certain in South Africa, it's almost inevitable that we will know folk that are unemployed. and. Mm. And I'm thinking that we should we should maybe come at this from a couple of perspectives. One is recognize just the difficulty that folk are in uh, when they are unemployed. But maybe we can talk a little bit about a theology of work, um, the importance of work, um, that, uh, that work is ordained by God um, and we are to work in ways which are God-glorifying. Um, and then we can talk about the providence of God and the provision of God. And maybe those three things. Yeah. So, where did we say we would start? I said we would start in terms of work being good, <laughs> because I I think that sometimes when I when I counsel and when I speak to folk, uh, there's a perception uh, that work is maybe what one has to do in order to make money. Um, but it's kind of a almost a shift responsibility (laughs) and not something which people enjoy doing they 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 do it because it has to be done and and sometimes work can be very tough I mean make no mistake Genesis chapter 3 we work by the sweat of our brow but here is good news and this is where I'd start in terms of a conversation about work work is actually given to man even before the fall of man into sin in other words in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam sins and falls short of the glory of God and sin comes into this world, God curses Adam and some of that curse is just the pain and the difficulty and the toil and the, and, and the stress that comes with working in a world which is sin cursed. Now that, that is true, however, a theology of work starts before Genesis chapter 3 and that's important to note. When God creates man, he creates him in his image. He puts him into a world which is perfect, and he gives him dominion over the world. But one of the things that he does is he drops him into a garden, <laughs> and in the garden, Adam is to be the gardener. Adam's to work. God creates Adam and puts him in a garden to to work the ground, to, to harvest the ground. Adam is given work to do even before sin enters into the world. And so I think it's important as we start to talk about work is to recognize that, that work is actually God-given, God-ordained, um, and is beneficial. It provides for our needs. It's one of the mechanisms which God has given us by his providence uh, that we might, we might have our needs uh, taken care of. Um, in actual fact, even in the New Testament, I think of Paul speaking to the Thessalonians Um, and he says something to the effect of that everyone must work if you don't work Mm -hmm. you don't eat and in reality he's casting his mind back to the Old Testament It has always been like this Um, Mm -hmm. loss of employment therefore shouldn't be an excuse for laziness Mm -hmm. and I do believe that all due diligence should be exercised um, to find other employment as quickly as possible Um, now we live in a country <laughs> where in reality the un- the unemployment rate is something ridiculous. I mean it's like what? Over 35%? More than that. Yeah. It, I mean yeah. it is. It's it's just it's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, in reality whether this is a national government problem or provincial government problem or local mm. government problem is, is is completely immaterial. We just want we just want government to help mm. solve this issue. Um, you know, the take out the, the bureaucracy and the red tape when it comes to small and medium enterprises, enable people to work um, even in terms of state opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we really do need to get our youth working. I mean, when I think of how many of our youth are struggling to get jobs, um, even those who have gone to college, even those who have gone to university, mm-hmm. coming out and seriously struggling to get jobs, We recognize that we live in a world which is very, very tough Mm -hmm. um, to respond to. Uh, And so I think at this stage, it it is worth talking about um, the provision of God. Um, In truth, um, everything which is good um, comes from our Father. Every good gift comes from our Father above. And we recognize that God does provide according to our needs. Jesus, even when he was... Explaining to his disciples how they ought to pray, says to them very clearly that they are to pray for their daily bread. Mm They to speak to their heavenly Father and and ask that He would provide according to their needs. And so, I think with that in mind, the believer he who has placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior, even before he rushes out, (laughs) um, in order not to demonstrate that he is um, hardworking and not lazy, even before he rushes out looking for employment opportunities, really does need to petition God, his Heavenly Father, that God would provide according to his needs. now, now, in truth, that's where we start with everything in life, whether we have a job or not. <laughs> you know, if we're looking for a spouse, we ought to start in prayer. If we are looking for a church, we ought to start in prayer. If we are about to become a parent, we ought to start in prayer. And if we are looking for a job, friend, we do need to start in prayer because all these things are provided ultimately by God. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that, God gives us certain faculties. Um, we see that in Genesis chapter one and two, that he, um, that he gives man and woman in Genesis chapter two, co-regency, mm-hmm. um, a regency, uh, in other words, we represent God in this world uh, and he ex- gives us certain tasks to do. And it seems to me self-evident that God has given us certain stewardship of our resources, our time, our talents, our testimony, uh, and our treasure. And we need to be very careful how we use each one of those areas Mm -hmm. of our lives. Uh, And one of them in particular, our time, when we are unemployed, we need to use our time wisely. Uh, We need to be looking for employment, we need to be speaking to friends and family and seeing what we can do. Um, And we need to be working hard that we would see God glorified in our lives. And then, of course, when God does provide for us, um, whether it be temporal employment, whether it just be providing for our needs in ways that we didn't expect, uh, we do need to offer all of our um, our testimony back to God, our praise uh, and our honor. So I'd be uh, interested to hear just in terms of how you would add to that conversation.
2: Yeah, so how, how you deal with um, unemployment. Definitely, I mean, all good things come from God. Um, and so basically it is from him that we should be um, seeking uh, what we, what we are supposed to be uh, or seeking employment. But then again, I think now this is me applying myself in this cause, cause I think um, it is, there are more opportunities I think than we think that they are. Um, and I think in terms of, because God, God has, has given us, um, Wisdom, he has given us the ability to work with our hands. Mm. And so if there aren't really opportunities um, in terms of I've been applying for employment, why are we not using our 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 brains, our hands, our abilities to to put food on the table because it is but a sweat of our brow that we will eat. And so um, I think it's it's basically coming from that angle, let us look at what God has given us. He's given us the ability to make means end. And so from that point of view, is let us create employment for ourselves. Mm. Yeah. You know,
1: Teppo, I'm I'm also just thinking of of those who who in actual fact, even due to no fault of their own, mm. lose employment mm. and therefore lose their station in life, whether mm. that be Um, whether that be their their homes, um, Mm. whether that be their cars, Mm. um, these are very real issues. And um, maybe just to say that in the midst of those kinds of immense difficult Mm. times, Mm. uh, I'm I'm almost called to remember and to remind any listener, Mm. that friend, um, our faith and our trust was never in our home, was never in our Mm. car was never in our bank balance. Our, our faith and our trust is in God, who is the maker and the creator of all things. Amen. And, um, you know, even at the worst of times, we are reminded that we do not put faith and trust in bigger barns or in mm. the temporal things of this life, which are certainly passing away. But rather, we are called to lay up treasure in heaven, which neither mm. moth nor rust nor thief can mm. break in and steal. And And so... I, I would say um, don't waste the spiritual opportunity mm. that difficulty brings into our lives, as difficult a pull as that is to swallow. Um, mm. Don't waste the opportunity to learn a spiritual lesson. Yeah. Now, now that, that's rich to say when you are employed and mm. when you are easily putting food on the table. Mm. Um, it is very difficult to say when you are going through the incredible difficulties of life mm. and, um, and I think with that in mind, even when I close today I, I certainly will be praying for anybody who's listening in this mm. morning that is unemployed, that yeah. God would give you a spiritual eyes to see Him, even in the midst of this present dilemma, mm. Mm. that He would give you spiritual strength to put your faith and your trust and your hope in Him and that God Himself would open up doors for you, uh, that you might walk through them with confidence yeah. uh, and glorify Him Um, even as you enjoy the blessings which come from God. Um, I'm going to make one more point because I think you made the point, and it was well made, that sometimes we have, um, there, there are opportunities in front of us which we don't see. Mm. Um, we're blind to them. They're in our blind spot, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of K-53. Yeah. My, my, my daughter's 18. She's just done her learners. Yeah. Um, or she's about to do her learners and then God willing, get her drivers. I mm. can't wait. She can, she can shuttle the rest of the kids around the world. Yeah. Um, but but I, I'm reminded when I did my K53 that I had this blind spot uh, over my right hand shoulder that I actually had to turn and look at mm-hmm. uh, in order to see it. And I think in life, often we do have blind spots. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was a, um, a a computer trainer at one stage. Uh, I, I resigned from my job without having a job to walk into. And for a couple of months, I, I didn't have work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can just remember how paralyzing, almost fearful... Uh, that period of time was uh, as I wondered how I was going to make ends meet and put mm. food on the table. Um, in these moments, sometimes we have a blind spot that we can't see. And, and, and friend, if you're listening in right now and you recognize that you're in a place where you are seriously struggling and you have blind spots, you're not seeing everything around you uh, and you need help, my encouragement to you would be to reach out to people in your church, mm. older older, if you're a man, older men who are wiser, if you're a woman, older women who are wiser, and take the opportunity, the God-given opportunity to Mm. draw strength, to draw wisdom, and to ask for prayer from people who have maybe gone through what you're going through, Mm. um, and or people who have faced some of the similar challenges to what you're facing, or even from those who haven't faced similar challenges, but who can maybe point out blind spots that you're mm, not seeing, mm. uh, opportunities that you might not be seeing right now. Uh, excellent question. Thank you so much for asking it. Really, really do appreciate that. Um, as we carry on and move to the next section, the next section really flows um, from uh, uh, from the conversation with Michael. And it comes down to um, tip one, I'm, I'm going to, Kick you off with this. Yeah. Now, what is sexual immorality? So we're talking about this this um, this new comprehensive sexual education program, mm-hmm. which is being printed into schools. Mm-hmm. Um, a program which, in actual fact, we've learned now, um, school governing bodies can uh, can can look at augmenting uh, mm-hmm. with faithful biblical education, or look at wholesale change in terms of faithful bi- biblical education, mm-hmm. as long as they're pushing toward the the objectives. Uh, that children need in terms of their education Um, but the question is really comes down to what is sexual immorality I'm going to give a give a definition so folk listening in uh, have some idea of what sexual immorality is
2: there are actually two (laughs) schools of thought (laughs) when it comes to sexual immorality Um, obviously it's taken from the Greek words so there's ponea and there's mochio so Uh, Ponea is basically sexual immorality Which we get the word pornography from Mm. Um, And that there is basically All acts of So this is the one thought All acts of um, uh, uh, All sexual acts That are outside of God's will Meaning that would be uh, Sex before marriage That would be extramarital sex Which means sex outside of your marriage Um, And Thoughts and all these other things that uh, get involved in um, in sexual intercourse that aren't actually pleasing to God, and then the other thought is this: sexual immorality is only limited to sex before marriage, and that is basically um, the other thought because they make that, well, theologians make the distinction that. Um, You have the word ponea in certain instances and the word mochio, which is the word we translate adultery Um, And adultery obviously just speaks to sex outside of marriage But the the whole thought of um, sexual immorality is sex which is not pleasing to God
1: Mm. Yeah, so again, you know, it's so interesting how often I go back to Genesis 1, 2 and 3 Mm. When I'm answering almost any question Um, I find that Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are unbelievable foundational works um, on a wide range of contemporary uh, ethical issues. Mm. Um, And the reason why I bring Genesis 1, 2, and 3 into it is in Genesis 1, we have the creation of the heavens and the earth, and things Mm -hmm. are created in perfect, in perfection. I mean, everything's just beautiful. And in Genesis chapter 1, I think it's verse 27 or thereabouts. Mm Yeah, Um, God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he talks about them ruling, uh, which I spoke about in terms of uh, the question around employment. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 27, God creates man in his own image. He creates him in the image of God. He creates them male and female. And verse 28, he gives him a command. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So verse 28 really deals with the introduction of sex. It's sex in a perfect world, and it's sex commanded by God, multiplication. And so when I start to talk about sexual immorality, I want to make sure that I start the conversation out by saying that God is not against sex. Um, Sex is part of God's design. Um, Sex, uh, in terms of purity, is something that is beautiful and given to man uh, in terms of verse 28, and by man, I mean man and woman, and in terms of verse 28, particularly for procreation, and so Mm -hmm. children are involved there in Genesis chapter 1. But we see very quickly on, in terms of the fall of man into sin, and then Genesis chapter 4, that sex is perverted. Mm -hmm. And by the time we get to (coughs) Genesis chapter 4, verse 19, we have Lamach. Taking two wives for himself. And so we have the introduction of polygamy mm-hmm. uh, into the social fabric of man's story. And just things get incredibly murky after that. And so I, I would say when I when I think of sexual immorality, I, I would focus on that word immoral and say that sexual immorality pornea is anything which is defilement, anything mm. which is unclean, that anything which subtracts from the purity of God's original design. Mm-hmm. Now, God's design is that sex should be enjoyed um, because that is another reason why God gives sex mm-hmm. uh, to a husband and a wife should be enjoyed within the confines of a marriage between one man and yeah. we might even today say one natural man and one yes. natural <laughs> woman for life. And that God gives this uh, as, a, uh, as a metaphor Um, Mm -hmm. And as a beautiful testimony um, uh, of marriage, Um, as a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh, this idea of a one flesh relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I would agree with you that anything outside of the confines of one man and one woman for life in marriage um, is... Immoral and is sexually immoral and that would include of course adultery uh, which would happen um, uh, In terms of the defilement of a marriage bed and Mm -hmm. so that that means it doesn't matter how much he says he loves you Or how much you say you love her unless you are married Mm -hmm. um, You you are committing sexual immorality Uh, and that means that Whether or not we live in a world which finds these things completely acceptable or not, it's immaterial. Um, God's design is one man and one woman for life. That means that just because you've lived together for 10 years and you are now legally married in terms of common law, Mm. um, God's expectation is that what God has put together, man should not tear asunder, and so there is a need to be married before God, which means that there's some application, even as you're listening to this this morning. Mm. Um, If you are unmarried and you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and you are committing sex outside of marriage, or Mm -hmm. committing sexual acts outside of marriage, now would be the time, if you're a believer, to repent of that and Mm. to turn away from that, uh, and to pursue marriage, that God might be glorified in your life. Uh, If you are involved as an unmarried or married person uh, in pornography, now would be the time to repent of that, turn away from that, um, and keep the marriage bed holy. If you are a married person, let me say that even as you hear this, uh, the idea of adultery um, should scare you, because this is sinful, sinful. Um, before God, if you're a believer, you must immediately repent and turn away from that uh, mm. and be restored to your spouse
2: yeah.
1: um, and and let me say that sin, even if you are a believer, sin does create relational break between yourself and God um, you know I'm, I'm even thinking of, of verses in the New Testament which say if you're not living with your wife. With understanding, mm. uh, if you don't have a peaceable relationship with your wife, your prayers won't be heard before God. How much more so, um, public um, mm. or private sin which is defiled or unholy before Him? Um, uh, I think a great question, and thanks for asking it. And um, to the question that came out last week, in terms of last week's show, did, did we talk about a priesthood of all believers last week?
2: I think we did I when can't we remember when we did the. Uh, baptist principles baptist principles oh yes
1: the- I-, I said that that was kind of like my favorite principle yeah okay so so what is the priesthood of all believers the priesthood of all believers is this idea that we who are in the church are a holy priesthood that we together um are have been sanctified by god and are now offering um from ourselves living sacrifices before the lord now we know that we have a high priest in heaven, Jesus Christ. Um, And so as a result, um, we as believers don't believe that there's a need for a priest between us and God, because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, we have been included in this priestly ministry of offering sweet sacrifices Mm -hmm. and praise and worship um, before God. And we do that as a collective. We do that Together as a church, and mm. so within the context of the church, we do not have a separation. For instance, of church and laity, the church being the people that get to sit in the pews, and the and the 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 the, um, the, the clergy um, being a separate group of people who are commissioned or allowed or ordained mm. or enabled to. Um, to uh, present sacrifices of worship or praise on behalf of the people. No, rather, uh, we see God's people collected congregationally um, as a priesthood of all believers. And so how do we kind of put that in place at Crystal Park? Well, one of the ways that we did it when I first arrived, got into a little bit of trouble um, at that stage. We we only had deacons, and they were very concerned uh, that anyone other than the ordained priest... Although I was called a pastor, but really it comes down to um, it comes down to w- what I would have been done, uh, doing. Uh, anyone other than the ordained priest uh, could baptise others or could um, offer communion and do uh, you know lead the Lord's table. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do believe that there are spiritually mature people within the context of a local church, and that um, spiritually immature people shouldn't be leading communion, shouldn't be uh, baptizing believers, um, but to say that only the ordained senior pastor in a local church should be doing these actions um, really creates a separation between him and the rest of the church in a way which uh, which I don't believe the Bible um, the Bible um, would advocate for. And I do think of, I think Paul in 1 Corinthians um, mm-hmm. uh, gives a good example when he's talking about himself and Apollos and, and other people. And he, and he says to the Corinthians, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't baptize many of you. And then he goes and describes uh, who he did baptize and who he didn't baptize. And um, th- this idea that even the apostle, the, the most important guy in the room, the apostle to the Gentiles, um, mm-hmm. Paul said that in Corinth, he didn't do all the baptizing because because I don't think that he drew such a grand distinction, even between himself and the people that he was serving. And so as a result, within the local church, I think that it is wise um, to get as many of your members involved in spiritual service as Mm. possible. Mm. And that includes on Sundays, and that includes during the week. So the way that we do that at Crystal Park is, we have members reading God's word on a Sunday, we have members leading communion on a Sunday, we have members, leading corporate prayer on a Sunday, members leading worship on a Sunday, members um, preaching on a Sunday. You don't have to be the senior pastor or even Mm. an elder to preach and to proclaim God's word. Our preaching team is made up of those who are mature in Christ in the local church. But then even during the week, you, you wanna see this idea of priesthood of believers flowing into everything that you do. And so for example, Uh, if counseling needs to be done at Crystal Park. Whilst I am equipped to counsel and I love counseling, I'm not the only counselor. I mean, you know, on any given day of the week, I'm expecting that there's lots of formal and informal counseling happening within the context of our local church. Teppo is pointing at his watch and saying, it is time. (laughs) <laughs> to go to an ad break. When we come back from the ad break, very briefly, Tepo, you'll talk to us about giving within the context of a local church, tithes and offerings. Uh, and then we need to start to talk of a number of other questions that have come in uh, since this, the show started uh, from Gwen uh, and from others. And so looking forward to getting to your questions shortly, guys. Uh, we are going to go to a song now, the song that we will be listening two uh, will be um we listen to come now is the time by amen earlier and the song that we will be listening to now i'm clicking on my stuff is you stay the same by anja and enrico looking forward to hearing that uh, uh, uh on the show table talk with mark and teppel um engaging you from uh, the wonderful city of Benoni. Um, Just pre-election time, um, all of our roads are starting to get painted, and (laughs) there's signs up (laughs) everywhere asking us to vote for them. Um, This morning, we're really doing um, answering your Bible questions live on air, looking forward to engaging with you, never mind where you're listening from, whether that is on 657 AM 7 to 9 a.m. Radio Pulpit or Radio Cape Pulpit, whether you are streaming live video on Facebook, uh, on the Radio Pulpit Radio Console Facebook page, uh, DSTV, we're on channel 882, Open View on channel 607, all over the place. You can stream live from www.radiopulpit.co.za. But really what's important is that you get your questions in. Um, We have a number of questions lined up. Uh, for the second hour of the show already and so if you do want a question answered um, please do send it in as quickly as possible so that we can get around to it plus we need to tell you a little bit about ezekiel um and why we're not answering uh your ezekiel question from last week um uh, this week yet um if you would like to engage with us uh, live on air uh, you can send a voice note in or you can type a message into our whatsapp or our mm. telegram number uh, the number is 0826572729. It is on the show notes on Facebook if you're looking uh, for, these, uh, for these information. Uh, if you'd like to tweet, we're on at 657 AM and our studio line is 0123341322. We are looking forward to chatting to you live on air on that. Or you can just drop a comment uh, down below. We're able to listen uh, to that. Um, um, Yeah, as we come to the questions for the second hour of the show, we're going to turn our attention to giving shortly. Let me just say, the the reason why we're not looking at Ezekiel, which was a question regarding Gog and Magog that came in last week, um, is because I really wanted to get different voices uh, into the conversation. Um, And that would require me to get one or two friends uh, into our studio, and we can do that, but it's gonna take a little bit more planning than I originally thought. And so rather than shoot from the hip uh, and give you only one side of the answer, I'm going to hopefully have a couple of friends in studio with me uh, sometime soon. Mm -hmm. Tips, Um, question came in regarding giving, Mm -hmm. uh, tithing, offering, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, what does the Bible say about how we should give? Why do we give? Um, and such in terms of our New Testament understanding.
2: Okay. So First um, Corinthians chapter 16, 1 to 4, but I'm just going to read this 1 to 3. It says this, and this is Paul writing. Now about the collection for the saints, do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches on the first day of the week. Each of you is to set something aside And save in keeping with how he is prospering So that no collections will need to be made when I come So basically, this is a New Testament um, Not so much a principle But it is more of a model of how giving should look like um, when, when, When in church or to the church So firstly, we see that it was on the first day of the week which is when we gather as saints to worship our God. And then it says, each of you, there we see that it is everyone. Each of you is to set something aside. So each and every person needs to be budgeting um, towards giving, uh, towards God's work. and And save in keeping with how he is prospering. And there we see proportionality. So both the poor and the rich give proportionality. However, you have decided in your heart, um, whether you choose it to be 10% or whether you choose it to be 20% now, because I mentioned 10%, we're going to talk about the tithe. So tithing is, well, basically that's more of an old Testament command. Um, and, in the New Testament, it, we don't even see tithing, but, um, we do, uh, apply that knowledge, um, in terms of principle, um, although it is not a command, uh, so that means it is not a requirement, uh, to Christ, um, New Testament believers. Though if, if you feel that that's a better way of honoring God with your money, um, then that is basically what you do, because again, I think it 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 when we think of second Corinthians eight and nine, it is how you have decided it is um how your conscience um, um, directs you to worship God with your money, and so yeah it 's just principle, and if you want to give that way, then um that is also honoring to God because you are giving towards his work, and that 's how you have decided. And it is um, uh, not begrudgingly, and it has to be done cheerfully as well.
1: Mm. You know, uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to money, uh, there was a time I, I was very nervous to talk about money, to yeah. talk about giving. I had opportunity to reflect on that last week, Sunday. Um, and I've realized that I'm talking with a little bit more confidence about money and giving now and um, later in my pastorate. Because I've recognized the link between our wallet and our worship. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what I mean. Worship really Mm -hmm. is an all-of-life sport. (laughs) Everything that we do is an act of worship. How we live our lives is an act of sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma before Him. We worship God in so many ways, so many ways that we discount. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me just start with testimony. you live your life, how you conduct yourself and before others, uh, how you make decisions, how you go about living a pure life in a very impure life, in a very impure world, is an act of worship. How you take the gifts and the talents which God has given you, and I'm talking about uh, your abilities, intellectual abilities, your artistic abilities, your creative abilities, um, your 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 physical abilities. How you take all of these things and present them back to God, and live out your life in whatever vocational way God has given you. It is an act of worship. Um, we we can't say that we that we love God if the things that we do nine to five aren't an act of worship to Him. We're mm-hmm. to offer our <laughs> whole lives as living sacrifices, yeah. not just our talents, uh, not just our testimony. Um, but, but but even our treasure, mm. um, if we believe that God is in control of all things, then we believe that it is God to whom um, we must attribute thanks and praise when we receive things. We believe that things flow from his hands, mm-hmm. and then we offer back to him what he has given, not because he needs it, mm. um, but because we are acknowledging, and even more than acknowledging, we are choosing to participate in the great work that he does. And so how we worship God with our time, with our treasure, with our talents, with our testimony is important to God because he is seeking people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And so there is a relationship between our wallet and our worship that, that we mustn't divorce. And, and I think a pastor who wants to see his church am worshiping God in ever-increasing ways We'll need to address the wallet, um, whether that be um, uh, exercising good stewardship over the gifts which God has gi- be given us. And mm-hmm. good stewardship includes not just giving to the church. It includes how are you taking care of your family? Yeah. Um, parents, how are you taking care of your children? Uh, children, how do you take care of your parents, especially as they reach older ages? Um, mm-hmm. How are you taking care of the world around you? And um, all of these things are related to our worship of all mighty God and so giving becomes an important topic Um, it's a topic which is spoken about a lot in God's word both the Old Testament and the New Testament and so we do need to talk about giving and um, but mm-hmm. when we do we need to talk about it from a biblical perspective yes. and yeah. a biblical perspective would say we give proportionately to what God has given mm-hmm. to us we give cheerfully and joyfully. Um, not as a heavy weight, which has been placed over us. Yeah. We give as an act of worship. We give regularly. Um, yes. We give out a, a sense of privilege. This is not to be a burden. Mm-hmm. We should give anonymously. Um, one of the most yes. generous men I know has taught me, as I've observed him, um, has taught me that you should not even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing as mm-hmm. far as you are able, um, but rather give to God. Um, mm-hmm. because that's what you're giving is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there should be a sense that our giving is sacrificial. And, and I say that because we see that in the example that God gave his only begotten son mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. that we who are perishing might live um, as we put our faith and our trust in him. Uh, giving is an important part um, of how God chooses to have himself worshipped uh, mm-hmm. in this world couple of questions and greetings coming in from Facebook. Sorry, guys, I'm only getting to this now. I didn't realize that (laughs) Facebook messages um, weren't pulling in um, quite like I thought that they would. Um, Let's just uh, deal with the folk that are saying hi. Kenny, long-time listener, says hi. Nancy, long-time listener, I think, says hi. Frances says hi. Linda says hi. Agnes says hi. Christy says, Lord, help us to live a a holy life that you planned for us, and I think that's off the back of the discussion regarding sexual immorality. Um, Gay says, hi, from Port Elizabeth, long-time listener, and my mom. Shout out to you. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Um, Gwen um, Gwen says, thank you for for addressing such an important (laughs) topic of comprehensive comprehensive sexual education uh, and uh, talks of intense analysis done on the proposed curriculum and alternatives developed which would comply to the CAPS curriculum and requirements. God bless to all and pass, and passes on a, a, a joy news article regarding smart choices and a value based CSE alternative. Um, Gwen, I will take a look at that. Thank you so much for passing it on. Um, a question coming in from Facebook from Dorothy it says, Greetings. I'm interested in studying Christian counseling. With which uh, can I study this course? Uh, with whom I'm sure is what is is what she meant. Who can I study Christian counselling with? I'm going to give you a couple of options shortly. But even before I do, uh, tips maybe just fill us in. What on earth is Christian counselling as of, And what is Christian counselling being being distinguished from? Uh, <laughs> if we're going to use the adjective Christian before the present participle counselling.
2: Yeah, so Christian counseling is basically counseling according to God's word, because God's word speaks into all of life and godliness. So we we take our principles of living from God's word. So God's word is sufficient to direct us in all circumstances, and so basically that's what Christian counseling is. And then it is um, distinguished from what we call psychology or what we call worldly counseling which is counseling that tells you no you can be a better person oh no you need to forget about those who are hurting you you need to do this whereas that if you if you listen to that that opposes what god says because god says if 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 um um as much as it it, it is possible we need to live peaceably with everyone that's romans 12 and so we take principles from God's word and apply it to each and every situation because God's word is sufficient and it is able to give us freedom <laughs> because when you hear about um forget about those people or stop this or stop that like it 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 still remains problems unresolved basically so it doesn't deal with the core of the issue whereas God's word even reveals your own heart in the situation it will show you that even in some situations that you are the wrong one you need to repent before god and that you would be um then um in the right track towards restoration and healing in that facet
1: yeah so i I would use a couple of i mean i'm just going to throw in a couple of synonyms um Mm. christian counseling you could of biblical counseling, Mm -hmm. in other words, counseling which is derived from God's Word, Mm -hmm. and then the fancy technical term would be neusthetic counseling, Mm -hmm. Um, and and really what this is, is looking at what does God's Word say about whatever you're facing, Um, it's the idea of when we approach sin that we are to put sin off, and Mm -hmm. in exchange we are to put on righteousness, Um, and it's discovering what God's Word says about both what sin is, what righteousness is, what Christian ethics are, um, and situational ethics. Um, How do we respond to all of these things that we face in life, but using God's Word so that we um, respond to it in God's way? Yes. Now, there are plenty of ways to approach the topic. I'm going to give first a book, and then I'm going to give the three organizations that I know, who are faithfully teaching, Biblical Counseling. Um, The book is a book which I read about, I don't know, 15 years ago, at (laughs) least, I'm guessing. Um, It's Introduction to Biblical Counseling. It is written by John MacArthur and by Mm. Wayne Mack. And the reason why I particularly like that book um, is because both of those authors are excellent. Um, John MacArthur, uh, Johnny (laughs) Mack, is definitely a um, uh, biblical-based Bible teacher, a strong emphasis on new counseling as well as biblical counseling. Um, and this particular book, I, I think, leverages very well um, years of study um, along with a faculty of biblical counselors at Master Seminary. And so many of the chapters are written by different people, um, but it has a Master Seminary flavor. Wayne Mack, is a gift to the South African church. So Wayne Mack was at Master Seminary in the States. That's I think San Jose, California, uh, where Grace Community Churches. Um, but many years ago, he followed his son out to South Africa, um, mm-hmm. brought his daughter with, um, and his wife with. Um, his son is, su- is subsequently. His son was at a Living Hope um, Bible Church or yes. Baptist Church okay. uh, in Pretoria. His son, Joshua, has subsequently gone back to the States, uh, following a call to the States. Um, But his wife married a South African who Mm. I'm about to talk about now. Um, And so Wayne and Carol, Carol who is an absolute delight and an excellent speaker uh, to ladies. We've um, hosted her many times here at Mm -hmm. Crystal Park Baptist Church. Um, uh, They stayed in South Africa. And uh, Wayne um, basically uh, teaches biblical counseling. Um, to a South African audience, but he is a prolific writer out of the blues. And then, I mean, I use <laughs> strengthening your marriage, um, as a set work book for marriage counseling. And his premarital counseling book, honestly, is the most comprehensive book I think you could ever, uh, you could ever have thought of. He has a thousand questions in that book that. Premarital counseling um, folk work through that just help them to understand one another. I, I love Wayne, uh, excellent teacher. And so, uh, my recommendation, if you're wanting to understand biblical counseling, would be to go to Amazon or wherever you buy good books. Uh, this book would be for sale at Augustine Bookroom as well as Good Neighbors Bookroom uh, and probably uh, at um, Christian Book Discounters as well. Mm. An introduction to biblical counseling. Uh, book comes highly recommended by me, then let me give you three places where you can get an introduction to biblical counseling over a period of time. The first would be kind of like the Rolls-Royce, which is uh, SMTI, Strengthening Ministries Training Institute. Uh, we've had at least one member uh, who has gone uh, to Strengthening Ministries Training Institute. This is an accredited program, so it's accredited through, I always get the, the acronym wrong, it's like ACBC, um, uh, not AC, ACDC that was a bad from when I was a kid yeah. ACDC, um, Biblical Counseling, the Accredited Certified Biblical Counseling something to that effect yeah. um, and that is run out of Linwood Baptist Church mm-hmm. uh, Linwood is pastored by Sabrin squat excellent man um, and he is married to Wayne's daughter uh, and Wayne uh, is in attendance at Linwood Baptist Church and is one of the trainers at Strengthening uh, ministries uh, a, train, a training institute and you can find them by just googling them uh, they'll probably be the first one that pops up. The second place that I would recommend if you're looking at uh, training uh, is Grace Fellowship and uh, did I describe SMTP as the Rolls-Royce? SMTI. SMTI as the Rolls-Royce. Yes. You see that was a problem because now <laughs> I've made a, a value judgment. Grace Fellowship is has a slightly different model Um, through the Grace School of Ministry. Uh, The pastor of Grace Fellowship is Joel James. And Grace School of Ministry is a two year biblical counseling course, which at least I I think about nine people at Crystal Park Baptist Church have covered. Um, And it covers all the areas that you need in order to be equipped to counsel uh, within the context of the local church. Joel is a gifted teacher and this would be a great place uh, to check out. And again, you, you can find it by just saying Grace School of Ministry in Google, uh, and you might need to add uh, Grace Fellowship or Joel James in there, and uh, Google will get you safely to where you are wanting to go. Um, and I can commend this. Uh, my wife, Liesl, um, went through this two-year program, um, and it was incredible for her. I, I, I watched um, I watched her transform in terms of her confidence as it comes to counseling biblically within the context of the local church. The the third place would be Shepherd Seminary. Uh, Shepherd Seminary has a number of lecturers, uh, Robin Brown, Tim Cantrell, Joel James, uh, David DeBrain, Uh, a number of folk are are lecturing out of Antioch Bible Church on the far west strand. So the first two were were in Pretoria, the second one is on the west strand of Johannesburg. Um, and Tim Control uh, is the senior pastor at Antioch Bible Church. Shepherd Seminary has, as part of its faculty, Joel James, who comes through to Shepherd Seminary and teaches the biblical counseling. Um, it might be that other faculty members also teach biblical counseling, um, but Shepherd Seminary certainly would be a great place to go and be equipped. Um, uh, and they raise up, particularly, expositors, uh, future pastors. Um, and train them in a wealth of uh, of Topics and so yeah, thank you so much for the question Dorothy. I really um, Hope that there was answered uh, you did uh, clarify and say which institution can I study this course? And so those would be three institutions which you can google if you'd like more information you can just uh, uh, private message me um, my Facebook handle is Pastor Mark Penrith and um, and I will send you directions Uh, to those various different places. Uh, Jennifer on Facebook says, Morning Tepo and Pastor Mark, uh, it's Auntie Jen. Very interesting topic, though I missed out a whole lot. That's no problem, because as it turns out, these things are saved forever on the Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, you can go and listen uh, to the beginning uh, later on, Jennifer. Thank you so much uh, for your interactions uh, this morning. Teresa has a number of questions. I feel as if we've missed a question somewhere, as if something has dropped off. But we are going to turn to Teresa. I see that there is a voice note from Floris. I have no doubt uh, that Zani is listening to it and will give me a thumbs up on YouTube or on um, uh, WhatsApp uh, if we are going to play it. Um, le- let's just uh, give Glenn's uh, comment. Glenn, of course, is a long-time listener, uh, uh, involved at Macanue Theological College. The total Old Testament tithe was more than ten percent. Yeah, you're right. In actual fact, I think uh, I went and looked at it a few years ago. It was like twenty-three mm. oh, and a half percent. Oh, and in fact, <laughs> Glenn then has a calculation. Uh, it was twenty percent per annum. There was the Levites tithe um, and the festival tithe, um, with an additional tithe for the poor. At ten percent every third year, so the average of twenty three and uh, and a third um, mm-hmm. annually. Thanks so much, Glenn. Always appreciate you listening and contributing, brother. Cyrus um, says, "Greetings in the name of our Lord." Please explain to me one Samuel chapter fifteen, verse ten. And do you think God is grieving on His calling of us? Um, I will go and take a look at that one Samuel chapter fifteen, verse ten, and take a look at that shortly. Um, let me just open up uh, Teresa's questions in the meantime. Teresa, I'm only seeing one question here. I'm sure there's a problem. <laughs> um, Teresa, long-time listener, says, Greetings, all trust that you're great. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9 and uh, uh, to 10. So second question from 1 Samuel. Saul's heart was changed, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he even prophesied. And just for clarity again, was Saul saved? <laughs> Looking at those three major factors of his changed heart spirit and being able to prophesy. Um, and then considering that the spirit left him and was replaced by an evil spirit later, please confirm if this was demonic or something else like mental illness, perhaps. No other questions. Well that's a pretty tough question to resolve. Oh, way to go. Um so let me let me just start off by shooting from the hip in terms of in terms of Saul. Uh, You are right. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul mightily, and he prophesied. And you might have this on your mind, because last night you were in a systematic (laughs) theology class, and we were looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, And you might remember, Teresa, that um, I think it was Tepo who made the point, it may have been Etienne that made the point last night, that the work of the Holy Spirit, in terms of his interactions with people in the nation of Israel, was slightly different in the Old Testament to the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Mm. In the New Testament, uh, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is literally poured out uh, into saints. Um, he, he They are baptized, and then they are sealed to the day of redemption. And that sealing is really important because... Um, that sealing is a permanent once-off and forever act that the Holy Spirit does. It is a guarantee described in the New Testament, a guarantee that, that we will be presented uh, to Jesus Christ one day holy and pure and blameless and without fault. Um, it is where our assurance of salvation comes from. It is where our confidence in salvation comes from. And it's why we claim that salvation is a sovereign act of God. In mm. the Old Testament, salvation was no less sovereign, but the actions of the Holy Spirit um, in the life of a believer were slightly different. Um, whilst the believer um, may very well, if saved, always have been saved, um, it appears in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would, instead of settling in the life of every single believer, settle particularly and manifest his presence uh, in the life. Of leaders and really equip and empower them for specific acts that they might perform Um, and his presence in them um, was often a temporal activity until such time as that act was complete and so uh, in terms of Saul we see the Holy Spirit filling Mm. Saul and Saul prophesying um, at the stage but later we see because of Saul's sin um, Saul literally grieving, um, one would say, uh, the Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, and later God even sending a spirit to torment him. Uh, and I certainly would take that as some kind of devilish spirit. I, I mean, I don't know exactly uh, how that works out. I don't know exactly what that looked like. Um, but I do know that the, the text doesn't imply that this was a Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather that this was an evil spirit which then tormented Saul um, for a period. Um, his change of heart was due to his rebellion against God and that rebellion was then judged by God. I mean, we actually see the trajectory of Saul's life just going mm-hmm. down from that period. Um, his relationship with David gets worse and worse. His ability to control his kingdom um, uh, goes from bad to worse. Uh, eventually, he even goes to a witch Necumanta, something which was was specifically forbidden by God towards Mm. the end of his story uh, in order to conjure up the spirit of Samuel. Um, And while we don't know if it's actually Samuel's spirit which God allowed to speak to Saul, or if it was another spirit, um, uh, it it then predicts that Saul will fall, and Saul does um, in the battle which rages uh, in just a few chapters time. Saul falls he ends up committing suicide, um, mm. falling on his sword or asking his armor bearer to kill him, uh, one of the two. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah my, my mind's a little bit fuzzy, but towards the end of his uh, story. Um, and, and so I don't know if Saul was saved. I can't think of a New Testament affirmation. Mm. Um, he doesn't exist in the, in the faith wall in the book of Hebrews. Um, and so I can't categorically say that he was or what he or that he wasn't. But what I can say um, is that he certainly lived a sinful life, um, and and received a just discipline and judgment from God um, for that. Great question, Teresa. Um, appreciate that. Uh, let's uh, ask the other question that came in, and that was related to one Samuel chapter fifteen and verse ten. So uh, we're in the same area. Um, again, in verse, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we spoke about Saul being received as king. Um, we spoke about, you know, Saul's start was really good. I mean, this kind of very good looking, handsome, tall man uh, was kind of like the ultimate king. He was mm-hmm. confirmed as king in verse, in chapter 11. Um, yeah, he, he seemed to be great. But in chapter 13, his failures begin. Um, and, and he takes a turn for the worse. Um, By the time we get to chapter 15, Saul is actually rejected by God as king. Um, And you're asking particularly about verse um, chapter 15, verse 10, which says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. And so Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all that night. And the question that Cyrus has is, do you think God is grieving on his calling of us? So when it comes to God, when it comes to regret, and when it comes to grief, um, uh, we have a topic which is difficult at first to understand as we look at God's word. Because here's the thing. God knows the end from the beginning. He's the alpha and the omega. He has written the entire story, and he is in sovereign control of all things. And so how can a God who is in sovereign control regret making Saul or regret calling Saul as king? Uh, He would have known that Saul would have fallen. And uh, you know, uh, how does that work out? And I think it really is attached to what the word regret and remorse mean. Uh, We see it again in the book of Genesis in chapter six, just before the flood, as God looks at the hearts of men and sees that their hearts are only on sin all of the time, and He is filled with with, with remorse, with with regret. He regrets that He had made man, um, but this regret doesn't mean that God didn't know how bad it would get. Um, it rather means that as God looks at His creation, um, God is grieved. Um, as we understand um, God to be, this this grief is. Reflected in a, It's an anthropomorphism. It, 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 it's, a, it's a description of God attributing to him um, a human characteristics so that we can understand him uh, to one degree or another. Um, but, but God, his heart is grieved by the sin of man. It certainly was before the flood. It certainly was in terms of Saul's uh, rebellion and defiance of God. And we know, too, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, mm. the Holy Spirit of God. We warn that we mustn't grieve the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and so we do know that when we are in sin, um, that this um, has, as far as we can understand it and as far as Scripture explains it, um, an emotional response to God in terms of His heart and His mm. desire mm. Um, for us and the way that we sometimes turn away from Him. Um What should our response to this be? Well, there's a warning here, isn't there? There's a warning that we who are called to be holy must pursue holiness, um, that we must put off unholiness and we must put on holiness um, as far as we are able, that when we do sin, we must be quick to confess our sins, knowing that God is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness, knowing, too, that we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ the Son, Uh, who's making constant petitions for us and before the Father, Um, and uh, and knowing that our salvation is secured by the Spirit. But you know, even when we talk about this security of our salvation, um, Paul says, listen here, those who have sinned in the city of Corinth, some have sinned, um, and some have sinned and so grieve God that His discipline has come upon them. And some have even died because Mm. of their sin. And then in light of that, Paul encourages the Corinthians to examine themselves, um, to to examine their own lives in light of what he has just said. Mm. And so when we see these these, um, descriptions of God being grieved, when we see these descriptions of God um, in some translations repenting, it is wise for us be given pause in those moments anything that you might add uh, to that text as we're thinking through this
2: yeah so basically it's just principle 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 um we 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 look at those texts and yes it's it's different to us in the new testament but we we sort of see um a principle there as to um the trajectory of Saul's life And where he started and where he ended So that should send out a warning to us about, Especially about who God is And who God should be And how we should view God um, in our salvation
0: mm.
1: Yeah, so um, At this stage I, I want to talk about Healthcare uh, Sunday Healthcare yeah. Sunday uh, we have a number of uh, ladies from Healthcare Christian Fellowship uh, who um, who worship at Crystal Park Baptist Church. We have Molly and we have Machi and we have Erica and Erica reminded me that um, Healthcare Sunday is actually coming up um, soon um, and uh, on the 17th. So that's, uh, that's this, this coming happened. Sunday yeah. and that there will be a Zoom prayer meeting. Uh, in the afternoon, from four until half past five, a number of people will be um, engaging in this pre-meeting, mm-hmm. including the Minister of Health, um, Dr. Joe um, Patla, mm-hmm. um, will be in the Zoom prayer meeting and a number of other uh, folk, folk from the Department of Health and other areas. And so, if you are listening in uh, this uh, this morning. Uh, and you are a nurse or you are a doctor or you are involved in administration or in other areas mm. uh, of medical um, provision uh, in south africa can i encourage you well first of all can i encourage you because i realize this has been a very long and sustained difficult time for many in the medical profession mm. uh, in the medical profession yeah. so maybe just start by encouraging you um tough times and yet I'm aware of many churches, including our own, which have borne you up in prayer um, over uh, over many years. Uh, even on the show as we sign out uh, each uh, Friday, mm-hmm. um, we remember doctors, nurses, and other medical personnel uh, each week. Um, so please do know that our thoughts and our prayers are with you. But if you would like to be encouraged and you would like as a professional to be involved uh, in a... Um, pre-meeting this coming Sunday, um, I would encourage you to reach out to Healthcare Christian Fellowship for the details um, of the Zoom meeting. Now, you can get hold of Healthcare Christian Fellowship um, by Googling, because Google will get you everywhere, (laughs) Googling Mm. Healthcare Christian Fellowship, and I have no doubt that they would be one of the first hits that comes back as you type that in um, to your um, PC. Um, Or you can send me a message and I will send you the information um, via uh, Facebook. You can contact me on my Facebook page, Pastor Mark Penrith. Uh, You'll see a picture of my ugly mug and bald head. Um, (laughs) And uh, if you follow that, if you send a message into me, I'll send you the details regarding regarding that Zoom meeting, which is coming up uh, this coming Sunday. Thank you so much, Erica for making us aware of that and for making listeners um, aware of that uh, Facebook questions have actually been flooding in however we are now at quarter to the hour which means that we are kind of running out of time for for like really big uh, conversations and big subjects and um, tips yes as we have been um, talking about um, biblical questions and answers over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I've realized that many of the questions that we get, that, that we are asked, um, are the kinds of questions that are, would actually be quite difficult to answer unless you have uh, either someone in your life who's a teacher or mm. you have access to tools to yeah. get the kinds of answers um, uh, that, that you need maybe we can just spend a little bit of time talking about how people can access answers to some biblical questions Mm -hmm. and the kinds of tools that maybe you use and all the kinds of ways that you approach scripture in order to find answers in God's
2: word uh, for yourself. Mm -hmm. So firstly, I think um, we had a, I think, I think um, somebody asked this question, what if you were to be sent to a desert which book would you take with you and i said uh i would print the whole precept austin um which is a website that i use to um just look at commentaries and see what um one of well most trusted men um when it comes to clear thinking theology in terms of um explaining what the text means in its context uh, so that would be one website, PreceptAustin.org dot org. Is it dot org? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one place to self educate, like educate yourself, because it's it's the work's done. So all you have to do is just read um, and see what different commentators say, um, and then. Hey, say, can, can, yeah.
1: can I can I just cut in and and just also give a, an endorsement for yeah. Precept Austin? Yeah. So so let me just tell you how Precept Austin works. Um, it, it is. They have a library of commentaries, digital commentaries, mm-hmm. um, on Precept Austin. So on the right hand side, you, you choose the book of the Bible that you're looking at. Let's say you're looking at John chapter three, verse 16, and you're wanting to understand a little bit of information mm. regarding John chapter three, verse 16. Mm-hmm. What you do is from the right hand side, you would go to the drop down and you would choose the book of John and it will take you to a page where literally, hundreds of commentaries, digital commentaries are available to you yeah. and digital sermon repositories are available to you. Mm. A- and then you would start to scroll down and find a commentary or a chapter or a verse which mm. you want to which you want to read. Now now it's overwhelming. There's just there's too much. Yeah. Let me say that it is a curated list. Yeah. So what they try and do is they try and make sure that the really good stuff is at the top. Um, and then uh, qualitatively from, and I guess it is subjective um, but I really do trust this ministry, mm-hmm. qualitatively uh, the, the 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 poorer or the weaker commentaries start heading to the bottom mm-hmm. um, you will find commentators on Precept Austin including um, and I'm talking guys near the top uh, Spurgeon, MacArthur um, Guzik um, uh, and um, Paul Apple mm-hmm. um, a, a number of Excellent commentaries mm-hmm. on, on, on anything that you might be, on any particular verse that you might ask. Mm-hmm. Now, once you wade into the commentary, different commentators are sometimes verbose, lots and lots of words. Other commentators are a little bit more precise, a yeah. few words. <laughs> um, but this you learn over time. And yeah. I would definitely commend Precept Austin as a student of God's words. Mm-hmm. Um, first stop. Uh, in terms of engaging on biblical content. Yeah, that's great. I, yeah. I'll give you a, a ringing endorsement. That
2: would be my first stop as well. Yeah. And then um, secondly, I think I would, so so this is basically what I do. So if I don't have time, yes. <laughs> if I don't have time, I would um, just ask the question on Google and then finish off the search by God. Questions. Ah no. <laughs> so, now
1: now yeah. we are talking. Okay, that's brilliant. Because I was like, you would just write into Google the question that yeah. you asked. <laughs> Don't you know rubbish will come back? I mean, and yeah. that's true. I mean yeah. Google is just uh, Google's great. We all yeah. use Google. Yeah. But when it comes to theology, you never know what's gonna come back. Exactly. But but added one word to your Google question which mm-hmm. is a game changer mm-hmm. and the word was got questions one word yeah. at the end of a google search which yeah. then takes you to the got questions website yep. why got questions mate
2: so firstly uh got questions is a trusted source okay. and it's basically i think it was created by masters uh seminary students
1: isn't it back in the day at either dallas theological seminary guy uh, or a
2: master's guy one of the two. yes. So basically, it's um, people we trust. Uh, so it's it's proper theology. So you're not you're not gonna get wishy-washy stuff there.
1: Well, proper theology, but in bite-sized chunks. So that yeah. like they'll they'll have a question: What yeah. does the Bible say about homosexuality? Yeah. What does the Bible say about intersectionality? What does yeah. the Bible say about critical race theory?
2: Yeah.
1: What does the Bible say about you know priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. or priest and clergy and pastor or yeah. reverend or Baptist, Methodist, Anglican, whatever it might be. What does the Bible say about the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses, Mm -hmm. the Church of Christ, and other cults? Um, It'll ask a question, and then in roughly 300 to 400 words, Mm -hmm. it'll give an answer, which means it's bite-sized, and it's written in basic English, the kind of English that that I can read. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then lastly, (laughs) so... I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not giving you the order. The order would be obviously if I have time, precept Austin. Yes. And then if I don't have time, I would go to God questions. Yes. Um, but then the other one that I would do is I would do the exact same exercise and I would finish it off with desiring God. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, so it's basically like just ask the question. Uh, let's say for instance, um, what happens when you die? God questions yes. <laughs> And then um, uh, God questions will come up And you, if there's a topic That has been done on that um, uh, What is this uh, Topic or heading Then it will come up as either an article Or a sermon that was preached And yeah, so that's basically The three, the top three um, Sources that I use on the internet No, I think that's really helpful And
1: Uh, And maybe just to add to that, um, two podcasts that are worth listening to if you want to start to familiarize yourself with a number of questions that are answered. The one is um, Ask Pastor John, um, which is John Piper's podcast, um, really worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Um, He has about a 15 minute answer to some really complex questions. And, and mm-hmm. he does, he, he, he is a little bit more philosophical, kind of like Jonathan Edwied, Edwinian mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in terms of his answers. And so, so really philosophical and meaty in his answers and mm-hmm. in his approach. And the other would be, I think it's Q&A with Pastor John, yes. uh, which is the other John, not yeah. John Piper, but John MacArthur. Yeah. Now those are two and a half minute answers mm-hmm. at the most. Um, to a range of questions, and they daily and so mm-hmm. uh, every day John MacArthur is releasing one answer to one question, mm-hmm. and there are literally hundreds and hundreds of questions answered very, very succinctly. Yeah.
2: Um, just, uh, uh, yeah, I just remembered something actually. So if you want to be a student of the word, like for instance, you want to learn how to interpret a verse. Hmm. I just remember that John Papa has that lab. Oh, labs! They are <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So, so, so basically, what he does is he will take um, a verse. So, so, so I'll I'll be a bit naughty here. Um, so I spoke about Galatians uh, three twenty-eight, um, and this was just the response to. Uh, can women be pastors? (laughs) So, so, so that's usually the, the, the verse that's thrown in. Um, there's neither, uh, Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female, slave nor, uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, So, 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 so there, um, I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing that he's got a lab on that. So basically what he does is he looks at the unfolding of the verse and then he jots down the connections. And then he makes you see how to properly interpret, um, what Paul is getting at and what Paul is talking about. And when you look at it, it's not, when he says it is not, it, it's neither female nor male. It has nothing to do with offices in the church. <laughs> it just has to do about our position in Christ as Christians. And again, that also speaks to the priesthood of all believers. Yes. So it's, 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 yeah, so it's basically, one of i think it's for a student one person who wants to learn how to properly interpret the bible if they look at that really? they'll be mind blown
1: uh, excellent uh, and uh, i just from my side want to say just read god's word yes definitely so, so the reading of god's word is so important when when you come to a single verse that you don't understand my yeah. suggestion is to read the paragraph sometimes yeah. that will actually resolve the question my next suggestion is if the paragraph doesn't resolve the question, read the chapter. And if Mm -hmm. the chapter doesn't resolve the question, read the book. And if the book doesn't resolve the question, read the Bible. But the answer is in God's Word. God's Word self-interprets itself. And in reality, there's very few things that are impossible to understand where you Mm -hmm. just go, you know what, theologians all around the world absolutely Mm -hmm. come and done when they come to this particular verse because nobody knows what's going on. (laughs) The, The truth is God's Word is written. I mean, it's deep enough that elephants can wade uh, in its sea but it's it 's accessible enough that uh, even young children mm. can uh, can enjoy uh, uh, splashing in its waters yeah. uh, and so don't complex uh, create such complexity around the Bible that the only way the kinds of questions that you 're asking can be resolved is by going to commentaries read Live god's 90, word. Yeah. um we gods word daily i I love. Reading God's word currently with the reading group, we read through the Bible once every three months. Mm-hmm. Um, we are currently in uh, at the end Mark. of the book of Mark, um, and I would encourage people to join us. At reading God's word again, you can find that by going to the Facebook page, uh, Pastor Mark Penrith, and you'll see on that page as you scroll down, uh, there are invitations to the WhatsApp group mm. where you can read together God's word with us. Glynn makes a great observation that there's also the open access digital theological library which is OADTL.org which includes books, articles, journals from all around the world and that's excellent for students and academic researchers. Thanks for that Glenn. I really appreciate that. And Glynn, being from Kenya Theological College, I would certainly Mm -hmm. know how to find theological resources. I'm definitely
2: adding that to my list. (laughs) I'm gonna
1: go check that out myself. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know of it. But uh, thanks for that, Glenn. Really appreciate it. You know, folks, as we get to the end of uh, this morning's show, um, I I do want to say thanks to each and every one of you who either greeted us or, or or sent in questions. Really appreciate it. Love looking at God's word together with you on Friday mornings. And to say that our prayers do go out and continue to go out to the elders and the deacons holding the line in local churches, as well as for the missionaries of our local churches in South Africa who sh- who are serving on foreign fields and even fields in Lesotho and um, and in Swaziland and north of our borders. Our prayers go out and much respect goes to our first responders Our police, our defense force who are in the news today and for those who dispense justice in our land, along with firefighters, paramedics, our nation's nurses and medical personnel and also correctional facility officers. Now this morning I certainly will be praying for those of you who are listening in who are struggling to find employment uh, at this time, trusting that the Lord will provide for you according to your needs and that you will be able to ascribe Every good gift which comes from his hand uh, back to the Lord. You've been listening to Table Talk with your host, uh, me, Mark Penrith, along with Tepo Pitzel. And so until next week, Friday, we will be cutting to the news. Walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Amen.
2: Amen.